1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
2: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning.
3: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Highcast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets I've Cast, your Hornets Podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets I've Cast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye Ear, Nose and Throat Associates, the official Eye Ear, Nose and Throat Care Provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It is sadly another silver linings edition of the HHC. Hornets fall for the sixth straight time. This one, a 141-134 overtime loss against the Detroit Pistons. Sends the Hornets down to a 7-21 and record. There were some big silver linings, however, in this last game, and we'll touch on them all, but the first and foremost that comes to mind, the return of LaMelo Ball. After 11 games absent due to ankle sprain, this latest ankle sprain, I should say, he made his return, and he had a superb scoring line with a double-double 23 points and 11 assists we'll break down his performance as well as the Hornets in general and another tribute coming in to former Hornets and Bobcats head coach Paul Silas who sadly passed away earlier this week he continues to be remembered across the NBA and we will have some of those remembrances here on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast helping me out with this edition of the HHC he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast Rob Longo Rob this one's tough Hornets falling 141-134 to to a young Detroit Pistons team that was playing without perhaps their best player in Cade Cunningham, and yet they just came out and shot well enough to win despite the Hornets getting 21 additional attempts from the field. Typically, if you get that many extra attempts, you win the turnover battle by that margin, you're going to win the game. Uh, But Charlotte just didn't quite have enough to win in regulation, and with LaMelo Ball having fouled out prior to overtime, couldn't get across the finish line.
2: It's a tough one just for a multitude of reasons. You take a look at the box score and you scratch your head like you talked about it, where, yeah, the Pistons did shoot almost 52% from the field, 45% beyond the arc. I mean, those are not slouchy numbers by any means of the imagination. And the Hornets took care of the basketball. They turned the ball over five times. You're thinking, okay, second chance points. That's going to make up the difference, maybe free throw shooting. All of those things were pretty much even for the most part in terms of stat lines, but the Hornets just allowed too many easy buckets. They were points in the paint that were coming by pretty easy. You know, the Hornets usually, for the most part, dominate the points in the paint battle for the most part. They did not. They only won it by two points. Then there was that three-point shooting where there were just so many open-look threes, a couple of second-chance opportunities for... Detroit they were able to get 20 second chance points the Hornets had 21 so they kind of almost canceled each other out but at the end of the day you just can't leave good shooters open and they have a ton of them on that Detroit team Bojan Bogdanovic was great Alec Burks coming off the bench with a team-high 27 points. No one had that circled on their bingo card, I'm sure, especially after some of the struggles he had with the New York Knicks in years prior, and he goes out and he has a heck of a game. So it's just really frustrating. And then there's even the Terry Rozier shot that we didn't even talk about yet where the Hornets had an opportunity to win this one at the buzzer. Terry Rozier with a fadeaway three from the corner. I swear it was halfway in and somehow it just rimmed out and we went to overtime. And, you know, when your best players off the floor in LaMelo Ball, which, by the way, LaMelo did foul out with about 29 seconds left, but it was a necessary foul. At that point, the Hornets needed to stop. They had to send a poor free-throw shooter to the line, and Melo had to make the play, or else it was going to be an easy two-point dunk, and is up going one for two from the free-throw line. I believe it was Jalen Duren, and he goes one for two, and then the Hornets are able to come down and capitalize and at least tie the game and force overtime. So it stinks that LaMelo fouls out, but it was a necessary six fouls. Sometimes you don't see that very often, but it was just one of those things that he had to do it. He had to commit the foul to give the Hornets a chance, and he did. But at the end of the day, they fall in overtime. I would say he had his strong, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, it, well, you it, wanted him to, the, you wanted the him alternative. To
1: earn it. Yeah, the alternative was being down for sure by three, and you didn't want to be in that position. Ended up they were down by two, and Mason Plumlee's tip-in ended up being enough to send the game to overtime. You've heard me say this a lot on this podcast, that the main thing is the main thing. I want to focus on the main thing here for this last game first. LaMelo Ball came back. LaMelo Ball had a great night. He admittedly, after the game, said he was not quite, you know, 100 percent. Didn't feel necessarily completely sure on that ankle, but well enough to play. And man, did he play! 23 points, 11 assists. Five of 13 from three. That's strong three-point shooting anywhere uh, in the NBA. You'll take that any night uh, as an average. And ends up fouling out but plays 34 minutes and six seconds and is a plus 16 on the floor. The main thing is the main thing. Is one winner loss going to change the team's fate over the course of the season? No, it is not. To see LaMelo ball back... And the instant impact it had on that offense, which was the worst offense, in ratings terms, the worst offense in the NBA, they go for, in regulation, 127 points. That is a complete 180 from what we had seen in terms of pace, in terms of tempo, in the half court, in the full court, doesn't matter. LaMelo Ball had an instant impact on this team. And... The domino effect is felt throughout. We saw Jalen McDaniels go for almost a career high coming off the bench. He's going to have better matchups coming off the bench. We saw Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier to continue to score at the levels that they had been even when LaMelo was absent. It's just everyone else starts scoring easier too, and that will only get better as guys come back from injury. So we will break down this this loss and why it happened more in, in just a moment here, but as I tend to say the main thing is the main thing. For the last two months, the main thing has been the Hornets have been too injured to be able to look themselves in the mirror and and say, hey, if the other team shoots the lights out, we can overcome it because all the stars were gone. Are you going to have some games where you rise to the occasion? Of course you are, and the Hornets did, and they they had valiant efforts now. Now, though, it's a different story with LaMelo back out there on the floor.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's the night and day. I mean, I think we talked about it at halftime on the broadcast about how just – different this team looked i mean they looked energized they looked like they were getting up and down the floor better i don't know what more you could want i mean at the halftime he had 12 points he was five of ten from the field six assists and that was only in 16 minutes because he was just getting kind of revved back up into action and at the end of the day you know one ticky tack foul here or there we could be talking about a win instead of a loss just because he's out there on the floor in overtime that's how much of a difference he makes and you have to look no further than the plus minus to say that Lamelo ball is that big of a factor
1: as for the other thing from last night. The Hornets didn't play very well defensively. Detroit is not a particularly strong offensive team. I don't think I'm stepping way out of bounds and saying that they're not the worst in the Eastern Conference or the NBA, but they were 7 and 22 for a reason and now 8 and 22 even after this win. And it was a short press conference for Hornets head coach Steve Clifford. He mainly focused on the Hornets defense which ended up giving up a grand total albeit in overtime, of 141 points to this Pistons team. Here is the entirety of head coach Steve Clifford's post-game comments last night.
4: Until we care about something besides how many points we score, we're not going to win much. Can't play like that. I mean, we scored. Our offense was good. That's five out of the last seven games we've been pretty good on offense. We are playing no defense, not one guy. There's not a bright spot. We don't run back on defense. We don't guard the ball, our pick and roll stuff, all stuff that was good. I think we were as high as like 12th or 13th in defense about 10 games ago, and we're right back to where we started ground zero. Where All we want to be is let's try to outscore the other teams. It doesn't work in the NBA unless you're – well, actually, it never works, okay? So what I just told them, this is either you build a game that will actually work at the end of the year when you play the important games or you don't. That's it. That's what the NBA is all about, okay? It's not that we don't have the talent to do it. All we care about is scoring. That's it. And if you're going to try to play like that, you better have like five all-stars. We don't have that kind of talent. So it's not something that will work. We're either going to decide to get back to playing with a defensive effort. It's not, it's not that we're not trying to win. As we go about it all wrong. Okay, I mean, watch team after team, right? There's always a team every year that they get there, and what happens? They get drilled because they don't have a game. They don't have the right kind of game. You can't just outscore people in the NBA. You can't. You can't. And you can't decide that you're not going to do the things that take effort, like rebounding or getting loose balls or putting your body in front of the ball. You can't. It just doesn't work that way, and that's what we're trying to do right now. All right?
1: That's the entirety of Coach Clifford's comments after the game. Rob, the team has backslid quite a bit in terms of the defensive metrics. Their defensive rating going into last night was 116.8. That's 29th out of the 30 teams in the NBA. If you just look off raw counting stats, points per game, how many you give up, they are fourth worst in the NBA ahead of only the Pistons, Thunder, and Spurs, all of whom are teams that, uh, suffice it to say, are at or near the bottom of their respective conferences right now. There are other teams that struggle to a similar tune that have better records. Golden State Warriors, surprisingly, are one of them. They're just a game under 500. Same thing for the Minnesota Timberwolves, but what you don't see are a lot of teams that are way above 500 who are this low in the standings in terms of how many points they allow per game. So, as much of a bright spot, a silver lining as it is to see this team getting healthier and LaMelo Ball finally back on the floor. Clearly, defense was the reason they lost this game and the focal point of head coach Steve Clifford.
2: That's been the issue, I think, for the Hornets' last couple of seasons now, even dating back to last year. You think about those playing tournament losses where they're getting 130-plus points getting put up on them against some really good teams, and I think you always go back and you look at some of the best teams or the teams that win championships. They are defense first. You think about Miami last year. You think about Boston last year. I mean, they made their run all the way to the finals because of good defense. The good teams have good defenses. It's not the other way around. It's great that you can score a lot of points, but it doesn't matter if you can't stop the other team. And I think that's kind of the microcosm, the crux, whatever analogy, whatever adjective you want to use, that's what happened to the Hornets last night. Because, again, Detroit is not a very good team, but they let them hang around. They let them shoot a really good field goal percentage. And at the end of the day, they end up getting 141 points hung on them, and they lose.
1: Got to give some credit where it is due. Detroit might have had more open looks than the Hornets really should have allowed them, but they knocked down the shots too. They shot 45%. From three, 51% from the field. They attempted 21 fewer shots than the Hornets did and still found a way to win, despite turning the ball over 16 times compared to five by Charlotte. Season high, 27 points off the bench for Alec Burks, four of six from three. Season high, 25 points for Killian Hayes at point guard, including a career high. Five made threes. A couple of those were daggers in overtime. Career-high 19 rebounds for the rookie center Jalen Duren, as well as Mason Plumlee played with a double-double, 12 points and 18 boards. He, Duren, ended up with one more rebound in that game, 19 total on the night. In many respects, this is the Hornets and what they did wrong, but you have to give credit to the Pistons for knocking down the shots that were made available to them. Their entire starting five were positives in the plus-minus. Everyone who played more than twenty minutes in the game was a positive in the plus-minus for the Pistons. This for a team that came into the night seven and twenty-two. So you, you got to give some credit to them for fighting for it. They wanted the win just as badly as the Hornets did, and they come away with it by that final score of one forty-one to one thirty-four. You heard from Coach Steve Clifford on defense. We'll let you hear from Lamelo Ball in his first game back. What he thought of the Hornets defense when we return here on the Hornets Hivecast Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast. Brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets take the L at home against the Detroit Pistons despite multiple days of rest coming into the game and despite the return of LaMelo Ball. I said it in segment one, Rob Longo, the main thing is the main thing. The main storyline from last night's game, I already saw it on ESPN. The headline from last night's game was not Hornets lose. It was LaMelo Ball came back and had to double-double in 23 points, and the Hornets lost. So they're both in there, but LaMelo Ball is the focal point, as he should be. The all-star back on the floor, just the fourth time all season he's played in the game. Charlotte's still yet to have a game where all three of their stars, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Heron, and Terry Rogier, play at the same time. I would love to see that. Hopefully that's in the not too distant future, but that's a topic for a future podcast. But some of the, the spectacular scoring lines, LaMelo Ball, 23 points, 11 assists, first double-double of the season, a plus-16, best in the plus-minus of any player for either team in the game in what ended up being a seven-point Hornets loss. Jalen McDaniels slid back to the bench, still scored 21 points. Very impressive shooting effort from him, including going three-for-three three from beyond the arc. Game-high, 28 points for Kelly Oubre. That's the ninth straight. Game of 20 or more for him. 25 points for Terry Rozier, 16 of which came in the fourth quarter or overtime. Ninth straight game for him of 20 or more. Also, ninth straight game with a made three, although he went two for 13, not the percentage he's looking for. Still able to get over that 20 point threshold and make some big buckets. And as you mentioned, he was,
2: what, a, a, a
1: millimeter away from having that game-winner go down I'm in regulation? I'm still trying to
2: figure out how that did not fall.
1: What a different story we would have had if that one had fallen. And uh, another scoring line to point out, Mason Plumley. 12 points, 18 rebounds, 11 of them offensive, including the putback that ended up tying the game in the fourth quarter. That is now seven straight games for Mason Plumley, where he had either 10 or more points and or rebounds. This game he had both and that is career double-double number 98 for Mason Plumlee. But as you heard from head coach Steve Clifford in the last segment, Hornets losing 141-134, to 134, and he circled the defense. He very rarely has that short of press conferences with the media. Clearly uh, not thrilled with the way the team played defensively. LaMelo Ball, after those comments, was asked about Coach Cliff's answer, basically, in the defense here is what he had to say.
4: No, nah, I feel like we definitely, that's that's our problem. We definitely got to lock in on defense and figure that out, so... I feel like as soon as we get that down, we'll turn this turn this thing around.
1: Rob, before we get to silver linings, I like the framework that Coach Clifford put those comments in. It wasn't about this is what we need to do to beat Detroit in December, even though that's obviously what they were trying to do last night. It was more framed of this is what we have to do if we're going to have any chance to beat Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Boston come April and May, which is what the team was built to try and do, and the goal was coming into this season. So I like that the focus isn't on let's figure out how to get out of the basement. It's let's figure out how to get competitive when the games really, really are going to matter the most, and that is on the precipice of and entering into the postseason.
2: If the Hornets get healthy and they go on a run, no one's going to care about this game in the beginning of December against Detroit. I mean, they will, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter a whole lot if you're fighting for playoff positioning if you're able to work your way into the playoffs and you're able to be competitive in a first round matchup against a team like Philadelphia, like Milwaukee, like Boston, those elite teams of the Eastern Conference. And that's the way that the expectations, that's where the bar needs to be set at. It needs to be having all the way up here, not just, okay, if we let's beat Detroit, let's get double digit wins at this point of the season. Let's do this. Let's make sure that, you know, we're, we're at this level. That's not the case. I mean, head coach Steve Clifford Sets his team at a high standard and good for him because, I mean, with the talent that's on this team, they're not one of those ones that should be in 15th in the Eastern Conference. And I understand the injuries are a reason why, but at the end of the day, you just have to go step by step, game by game, get better by better. And a lot of that is going to be because you got guys like LaMelo Ball back. And certainly, you know, it's first game back for LaMelo. We got to kind of take the 30,000 foot view of things. Yes, he was spectacular. But when it mattered, he was not on the floor because he fouled out. And that's something that can be a little bit of growing pains. That can be something that he just has to get back into a rhythm because he did say after the game that defensively, He was a little bit of a step slow just because he's trying to get acclimated back to game speed. And again, he's coming off of an ankle injury. He's going to be a little bit slower. So because you're a little bit slower, you're probably going to reach a little bit more. You're going to grab a little bit more. You're going to foul more. And that's what ended up happening. He ended up fouling out late in the game when the Hornets needed him most. And that's not this is not a knock on LaMelo by any means. This is just the facts. This is what happened and this is where the team goes from here. So I know I'm getting on a little bit of a tangent. I know I'm ranting a little bit, but at the end, at the end of the day, Cliff wants this team to have this great expectations, these high expectations and he should. And going back
1: to that 30,000 foot view, you know, last year the team was 43 and 39. That was only good enough for 10th. What would have been good enough for 10th would have been 38 and 44. that would have been enough to clear the bottom five teams in the Eastern conference and more often than not that's the kind of record that usually ends up over there so even though the hornets right now are seven and 21 and in last place in the Eastern Conference to get to 500 we're talking about them going 34 and 20 on the final 54 games of the season that's to get to 500. That doesn't sound overwhelming to me. To get to the kind of record that I just said would probably get them in the top 10, probably talking about somewhere around 30 wins against 24 losses, that's manageable to do too. So as this team gets healthier, the expectation's not that this team's going to finish below five. or I should say it wasn't that this team would finish below 500 at the start of the year. But to get where you want to go with a chance to make it into the postseason, we're not talking about them ripping off a 20-game win streak and, we still have yet to see the team play with all three stars on the floor at the same time. Hopefully, uh, that's something else that will be coming up in the not-too-distant future. Right now, though, we're going to go to silver linings, because there were quite a few. As disappointing as that loss was, 141-134 to 134 against the Pistons. Coach Steve Clifford clearly not happy after the game. Uh, but there are silver linings to touch on. Rob Longo, you get to pick your selection first.
2: And one more thing, too, before okay. I end my tangent. All right. When you get to the playoffs, if you get to playoffs, your record doesn't matter? No. All right then. Well, it does for seeding home for court se- advantage, but yeah, I know what you're But saying. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You're in a seven game series going against a different team you got to win four of
1: those. And we've seen eight seeds throughout the history of the NBA come out and beat the one seed against all odds and all predictions. So it can happen. you just got to get to the dance first. Hornets, right they always now, have a chance. 15th in the Eastern Conference, so they've got some climbing to do, but some silver lining selections from last night's loss uh, first up on the docket here on the HHC.
2: Yeah, and for me, it's the one that without him we probably wouldn't have seen overtime, and that's going to be Mason Plumley. Terry, pick and roll with
1: Plumley. Rogier, one-on-one with Duren, gives to Ubre. Oubre will drive, rises, the lefty floater, no! Plumlee tips it, second time, yes, retired!
2: Mason Plumlee ties the game at 127. Timeout, Detroit. You already gave the stat line. I'm going to go ahead and give it again. 12 points, 5 of 8 from the field, 2 for 4 from the free throw line, which is significant compared to where he was last season. 18 rebounds. 3 assists were cool too, but 18 rebounds, 11 on the offensive glass. He had more offensive boards than defensive boards. How often do you see that unless maybe someone's around the single-digit mark? But when you have 18 boards and 11 of them are on the offensive side, that's something pretty unique, and it ended up being a career high for offensive rebounds for – Mason Plumlee with those 11 so with him he's my silver lining from last night because again at the end of the day if he doesn't get that put back we're not talking about overtime we're not talking about well we're still talking about the defense I'm sure but at the end of the day we're not talking about overtime and how this team had extra opportunities to win the game where oh by the way we didn't even talk about this the Hornets had to outscore Detroit by 10 in the fourth quarter to force overtime and they did it
1: they certainly did yeah you're right you're right one other thing to put that offensive rebounding stat in context Pistons had a decent second chance points night I I would say they ended up with 20 points. Hornets only beat them by one in the second chance point department, 21 to 20 their entire team had 12 offensive rebounds. Mason Plumley had 11 personally. He played his tail off and even though he is one of the other four Hornets who ended up a negative in the plus minus, a minus 10 for him personally the 12.18 rebound stat line that stands out. Mason Plumley having a strong year. He's top 10 in offensive rebounds per game clearly that's going to go up and he is a top 20 in overall rebounds per game. That's likely going to go up too heading into the next contest Friday against the Atlanta Hawks. My silver lining selection give me the all-star LaMelo ball. Kick out LaMelo run off the line drifts to the corner fires for three got it again oh LaMelo ball it's a special night 23 in his return with four made threes Hornets are down five. LaMelo Ball would end up with the 23 points and actually had five made threes in the loss, 11 assists for his first double-double of the season, 31st of his career. I remember back to when he made his return, and granted, it was against a different kind of opponent. It wasn't a a shorthanded Pistons team. It was a relatively full-strength Miami Heat team. This game was at home. That one was on the road. Very different caliber of opponents. But LaMelo didn't look like LaMelo in that one. You know, the three-point line doesn't move around, whether you're in Florida or North Carolina. He was 1-for-9 in that game against the Heat. This one, he ends up going 5-for-13 from beyond the arc. Quite a bit better, to say the least, from deep from LaMelo in this one. And what I bring that up for is because when you look at the three games he played earlier this season, it seemed to take him some time to ramp up into form there was no ramping necessary he shot 50 percent from the floor five of 13 from three he was never a plus minus in any of the three games when he returned including the win over Orlando he wasn't a positive in the plus minus not only that he was the biggest positive of any player on either team and the only one in the Hornets starting lineup who was a positive he was brilliant out there and so even though there's some defensive things that uh, he and the rest of the team have to work on there is a, a much brighter outlook for this squad now that we've seen what their offense looks like with LaMelo Ball out there. And I just can't wait to see what they look like next time out. That'll be Friday against the Atlanta Hawks. Hopefully he and the team follows up with an even stronger performance. Horns could certainly use a win before heading out on a long Western Conference road trip and uh, maybe some more good news on the way on the injury front as well. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up this edition of the HHC with more tributes being brought in uh, for former Charlotte head coach Paul Silas, who sadly passed away earlier in the week. We'll have that for you next here on the Hornet Timecast. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run,
0: every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field,
1: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. All week we have been talking about former Charlotte head coach Paul Silas, who sadly passed away at the age of 79 earlier this week. He had a brilliant playing career, winning three championships with two different franchises, two with the Boston Celtics, one with the Seattle Supersonics, twice an All-Star five times, and all- offensive team selection, and then had a second brilliant run in the NBA as a head coach twice with the Charlotte franchise, leading the team to the postseason on three separate occasions. That's in Charlotte. He actually did it four times with the Hornets, generally speaking, but one of them was with New Orleans three times in the Queen City. He was a, a great mentor to so many, and we have seen tributes filed in from all across the NBA. Matt Carroll spoke about it several times here on both the broadcast and on the hornet typecast this podcast and we've heard people all across the nba send in their tributes as well i've heard from lebron james for whom paul silas was the first coach when he entered into the nba and uh, one of the stars of this charlotte organization also paying tribute kemba walker he had his comments played on the video board yesterday in the game want to let you hear him here on the hornets i
4: if it's one thing that comes to mind is it's, it's most definitely just just toughness you know off the court he was super sweet guy um gentle giant but when it came to you know being in between those lines he had a, he had a mean switch and it was all toughness it was all grit he wanted you to get down and dirty and he taught me a lot man
1: Kemba Walker talking about former head coach Paul Silas of the Charlotte Hornets. He was his coach as a rookie. That was, of course, the 7-59 season in the shortened year. Hornets are going through a similar tough stretch, not nearly as many losses, but a similar tough stretch here. But Paul Silas was the right man at the right time to help lead Charlotte back towards prominence again in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. And his impact on this community goes well, well beyond the court and is being celebrated throughout the Queen City and the NBA.
2: And rightfully so. I don't even think we got a chance to touch on it, but the training staff, the coaching staff for the rest of the season are going to wear a patch on their sleeve too. And we saw a debut last night's game as well that says, says Silas on it. And that just kind of encapsulates what kind of person he was, what impact he had on his community, like you said. So, and it's just great to see not only that, but his legacy also carries on through his son, Stephen, of course, the head coach for the Houston Rockets spent some time here in Charlotte as well underneath his, his father, Paul. So it's one of those things that it's just a legacy kind of thing and that's what we always like to talk about when these things happen and it was really interesting too is before the game the other night for the Rockets Stephen Silas returned to the bench after taking a little bit of a hiatus after his father of course passed away and somebody asked him about what you're going to miss about your your father, what are some of the things that people are talking about. And one of the things that he brought up is people are talking about the person first rather than the coach or the player. And that's how you want to be remembered. And towards the end of it, he goes, when my time comes, I want to be remembered like that as well. And it's really touching. And it just kind of shows, like I said, the impact that he had on his community, on the teams that he coached, on the people that he mentored. And you heard it from Kemba Walker there. You've heard it from Matt Carroll here on the podcast as well. And, you know, the first thing, like I said, that if your name is mentioned and they talk about the kind of person you are, that just speaks dividends about your persona and the impact that you had on people's lives.
1: No question when uh, Coach Silas, Steven Silas, Paul's son, comes to the Hive in early April, late in the season, it's going to be an emotional game. That patch will continue to be on the Hornets coaching staff's sleeves. He meant a lot to this community. He meant a lot to this coaching staff. Several members of it have talked to us about his impact on their journey in the NBA and their lives in general. Coach Silas, he's going to be sorely missed and we're happy to pay tribute to him again here on the Hornets Hivecast. That's going to do it for this edition of the HH see tomorrow. Game preview edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll get you ready for the Hornets versus the Hawks. Till then for my broadcast partner today, Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast.
3: Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. Brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com